Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Welcome to the Big Life Podcast on Full Service Radio. We are Lina Salazar and Ingrid Vaishus, broadcasting live from the lobby of the Line Hotel in Washington, D.C. The Big Life brings inspiring people to talk about their stress story and what they learned from making changes. We also sit with experts, therapists, scientists, and holistic professionals who shed light on the effects of stress on your well-being and give you the tools to help you live a bigger, more fulfilling life. I am Lina Salazar, a health coach and creator of the Food Sanity Program. I work with women whose main source of stress is their relationship with food and their bodies. And I'm Ingrid Vaishus, also a health coach. I help my clients discover achievable, sustainable strategies to better health so they can avoid burnout and thrive at home and work. I work with individuals and organizations. Ingrid, Confucius, the Chinese philosopher, said, life is really simple, but we insist on making it complicated. And I think this is mostly true in the field of health and wellness. We love overcomplicating our diet, the exercise we do, and how we manage stress, mainly by spending tons of money and obsessing about the metrics. And this tendency can prevent us from taking action. It also hinders our confidence to take care of ourselves. And we may also forget why we're doing things in the first place. Mm -hmm. So on this episode of the Big Life Podcast, we want to shift how you view sleep, breathing, and physical activity. Not you, Ingrid, but our listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Three simple, free, (laughs) basic practices that are key foundations of well-being. Our guest today is our friend, Sam Attard. PhD and founder of Spiro Collective, where she incorporates yoga, meditation, Ayurveda, and modern nutrition to help women de-stress and find their unique path to optimum health. Welcome, Sam. It's great to be with you again behind the mic. Thank you so much. It's really, really lovely to be here with you both. I'm super excited because I feel like I'm so happy you had the time because we know you just had a baby. So thank you for finding the time. We know it's hard. But we, you and I have talked about this a lot. So much, in fact, that we created a program around it, right? How do we get back to our, how do we get back to basics? And I remember when we talked on your podcast, you asked me what billboard, what would be on a billboard? And I remember saying, get back to basics. And I feel like we tend to like Lena said in her introduction, overcomplicate things. So I'm really excited about diving deeper into how all of this can be accomplished and how we get back to basics and look at these three things. Um, So why don't we start with you telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do and what you're up to right now, because I know it might have shifted a little bit. Yes, yeah. Um, So again, I'm Sam. Thank you guys again for having me. I am an Ayurvedic health coach. I teach yoga. I um, also provide a lot of support uh, through the fertility cycle, whether it's getting pregnant, pregnancy, and some postnatal as well. Um, And I got started with it all, 
it feels like it's all of my life has been culminating to working with this. But I really got started in Ayurveda and yoga when I was in college and was in New York City and living on my own for the first time and both was introduced to these practices, but also had to create my own routine for the first time. Right. You're no longer uh, at the whim of your family, your parents uh, and, you know, the school structure. And in creating my own routines, I was learning that trying to borrow my routines from other people was not working so well. And, you know, that if I tried to eat like my roommate or sleep like my roommate or do anything like that, like that I would feel miserable and not not all that good. And so what Ayurveda really gave me was permission to find my own path and to find my own routine. And definitely Ayurveda is very much a back to basics kind of practice, even though it's not always simple in its execution. Mm -hmm. It's very back to basics. And and that worked really well for me and has, has served me very well for, oh my gosh, 13 years or so since I first, uh, 12 years since I first discovered it. And uh, so now I really enjoy working with others on finding their own path. Mm -hmm. um, slightly unrelated to this conversation, but I, but actually, no, Lena, you did mention it, how we stop trusting ourselves because mm -hmm. We're so looking outside for a specific diet, a specific routine, all these different things that might help us. And and I find that very often we're kind of outsourcing our wellness and outsourcing those decisions. And I really love Ayurveda for this opportunity to say, let's experiment. Let's actually see what feels good. And if it doesn't work, no problem. Let's shift. And, and that part I really love because now that helps me with the clients of both cultivating health, but also cultivating confidence around that health. And of course, it bleeds into every area of their lives. So that's a really delightful thing. And so I do that work with my clients. As you guys mentioned, I have a two month old baby hanging out at home um, who is super delightful, but it's been really great to get back into some teaching, particularly with some of this new knowledge um, for my pregnant students. And uh, and that's that's been really wonderful. Yeah. I love what you said about like we so often outsource and it touches upon mm -hmm. what we all we like we look to something outside of ourselves and sometimes we compl we complicate it more than we need to. Um, and I think what is worth repeating and we say it frequently on the show, we're going to talk about these things, but we're also encouraging people not to think like, oh, suddenly I need to like focus on all of it. But more it's about experimenting, picking one thing and seeing where it goes. And maybe if that's not your area of focus, then you move on to the next thing, but it's about trying and starting small. So with that in mind, I thought we would, we thought we, we would talk about each of these things. So how do you see sleep as being connected to our well-being? So as a sleep-deprived person, <laughs> I, I have a, a unique perspective on this right now because I love sleep and, and it's the cornerstone. And uh, I mean, chemically, in our body, our sleep relates very strongly to our cortisol levels. Our, mm -hmm. our cortisol, the stress hormone levels, do change with our sleep. It starts to rise as we get towards the morning so that we actually have that get up and go. But if we are sleep deprived, that um, cortisol goes out of whack and is way too high and that causes stress in our bodies. But then it also impacts how we eat because when you're more tired, you crave more carbs and you 
crave food to keep you awake, essentially, because your body wants to fall asleep and you're not letting it. Mm-hmm. Um, it sets a, a cycle in motion when we don't have enough sleep where we depend on caffeine and then this stimulant and then that stimulant. Um, and then we're so stimulated, we can't fall asleep. So we need the depressant, the depressant, the depressant. Uh, and it, it kind of sets us into this cycle that doesn't work very well. I think we've all hit the snooze button and skipped a workout at some point. And again, when you're sleep deprived, you're just not thinking at the same pace. I think they did a study and I don't have the exact numbers on this, but the study was that being sleep deprived was more dangerous than being drunk behind Mm. the wheel of a car. And that to me is fascinating and scary given how little we tend to prioritize sleep in our, in our society. I like that you mentioned the, um, the body, right? How your body sort of like tells you that something's wrong and we tend to look outside for more complex answers, but it's the basics. It's just you need sleep. And, uh, <laughs> and, and something else like that I, that I believe is worth mentioning about sleep, it's, um, it's not, not only all of the stress levels, but also uh, because I've been, you know, doing a little bit more, more research, like memory consolidation, mm-hmm tissue restoration that happens when we are sleeping so when that let's say fundamental that basic it's at stake we are putting a lot of other things at stake like you said it's a cornerstone Mm -hmm. i mean yeah i agree with what you said i think that what happens is and i noticed it because one of the things when people ask me we all are different right and what is the one thing that you can be more flexible around and you're okay for me it's like i don't need to like necessarily like prioritize my meditation every day but if I'm not sleeping it's the one thing where I can see everything start like falling out of whack and I feel totally off and after I now I definitely prioritize my sleep and I do see like my memory like it's how you flush out your ideas how you're able to focus the next day and I think that so many of the people that I talk to and I'm sure Lena does too and you do too are under the impression that I'll sleep later. Like I'll sleep when, like when, when I have old. time and when I have old <laughs> and when I'm retired. When I die, it's the same. Yeah, right? exa- exactly. I, I, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and I feel like we need and we don't do it enough. And we're this constant connection, right? We're always on our phone. We don't realize how much that disrupts our sleep. Uh, we mm-hmm. sleep with the phone next to our bed. We're looking at the blue screen. Um, And then we wonder why we forget things, why we're running out the door and like looking for our keys and they're in our hand. It's like if we don't give our mind, like sleep is what allows our brain to flush and like consolidate memories and be able to reduce the stress and process the information of the day. If we're not giving our brain a chance to like flush it all out and we're just going to create the cycle that perpetuates and makes it so much harder. Well, and let's think about the beautiful ingenuity that is being human. And if we could have figured out a way to not sleep, we would have figured it out by now, right? And ultimately, even with all the technology that we have, all the advancements we've made, we still need, you know, the the number that they give is between seven to nine hours of sleep a night. Most people closer to that nine. Mm -hmm. And and that's what we need in order for our... um, for our bodies to to work and to process. There's a very, very, very small percentage of people that can actually function well on less than six hours of sleep a night. Like moms, like moms, yeah. <laughs> oh. Like moms? Yeah. 
And and uh, I think the numbers, it's like one in 12,000 people. It's less likely than being struck by lightning. Um, and when you look at some of these numbers, you start to realize, oh, this is really important. And I think the technology, like you started to mention, Ingrid, yes, for sure, in terms of the screens and the blue light. But if we're if we're really talking fundamental and like the simplest thing, I would say it's how late we're going to bed mm-hmm. at night. I think that if if we all like started getting our PJs on at you know 8:45 and brushing our teeth and like red in bed for a half hour and actually tried to close our eyes by 9:30, wow, how different we would feel. Yeah. And this gets a little bit into Ayurveda and in traditional Chinese medicine. So I don't have specific research numbers on this, but in in those um, philosophies, the theory is is that when you hit about 11 p.m essentially the energy wakes up again mm-hmm. and i think we've all been there where Those we kind of blow past we blow past the time that we're tired and mm-hmm. then we can't sleep for another three or four hours yeah. um and so we need to actually uh act on that first instinct of wow i'm really tired well then go to bed see what happens mm-hmm. and i think that's that to me is almost the most fundamental why don't we just get in bed the first time we think that we're tired in the evening and and see how refreshed we are when we wake up see maybe we don't need an alarm clock anymore yeah. see see what's possible i think that yeah so like yeah i i like that idea of just testing just mm-hmm. just see what happens and uh, this show is dedicated to the basics right we ingrid and i were like wanna raise awareness of the importance of sticking to the basics of mastering the basics and mastering the fundamentals and we want to focus on sleep yeah and that, and movement and and breathing So why don't we talk a little bit about movement, mm-hmm. right? And how is that a fundamental and how is in, in your clients, in your work, uh, Sam, how is that a fundamental just as a sleep is? I think that's a great, um, a great question. And I think there, there's a lot here. So I'm going to try to pick little pieces of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is if we talk about having energy managed and maintained throughout the day, movement is huge to this. If we just sit in a chair and just stare at a screen and don't move besides our fingers, which are tapping or our thumbs that are tapping, mm. you're going to start to feel more tired. You're mm-hmm. going to start to feel energy lag. And when we just get up out of the chair, we change how insulin is moving through our body, the hormone that relates to blood sugar. We change our blood pressure and how that's moving in our body. Uh, we change how we're breathing and we change just the the blood flow the energy and oxygenation yeah. of our muscles mm-hmm. and of our body so even uh and i love that you do say movement rather than just exercise mm-hmm. so on a fundamental level not are you hitting up the gym but on a during the day do you make time to move i i think it's so huge um so it, it starts just that simple yeah. and you know i always have a conversation with my husband when we're driving somewhere and, and he's like trying to find the spot and I'm like just park here it doesn't yeah, matter walk. we're not let's not find a closer spot because actually the extra 50 steps that we're going to get are actually important especially you know I, i track it on my watch and you see oh wow did not move that much today so those small opportunities to move again is, is huge for your muscle tone for your uh, oxygenation through your body again your insulin your blood pressure And it's free. You just 
you just get up out of your chair. Yeah, it's yeah. about moving, sitting less, moving more, right? You don't need expensive Lululemon clothes and Fitbits and expensive running shoes and running 10 miles. All you need is to move more, no matter how you yeah. do it. Just move more. Yeah, I love that the emphasis is on movement because so many people think, oh, I'll check off. I went to the gym this morning for an hour, was on the treadmill, lifted some weights or whatever, took a class. And then I proceed to go to my office and sit there all day all right. and barely move. And I think, sure, the gym is great, especially if it makes you feel good, if it's a good source of stress relief. All that is great, but you need to make sure that doesn't offset the fact that you don't move the rest of the day. You're still and sedentary. Exactly. exactly. You, that's still yeah. a sedentary lifestyle that's going to have all the consequences that you just talked about. Exactly. I think it was, I believe it's Kelly McGonigal, though I might have the, the name wrong. Um, but I believe it's Kelly McGonigal. She talks about uh, the experiments that they did with the astronauts yes. mm -hmm. and they were getting ready to put people to the moon, right? And how it was after, I believe it was 20 to 30 minutes when your body, 20 to 30 minutes of sitting, that your body's chemistry starts to shift. And that if we want to maintain vitality, to maintain that, um, the, the good feelings in our body yeah. to make things work well, every 20 to 30 minutes, get up out of the chair, take this moment to Again, just simply move, not exercise, just simply move. Yeah. yeah. And I think this is a great segue because, okay, we're moving. But then the other thing that I noticed that I, I noticed myself is like, I'm not breathing. We're not breathing <laughs> properly. Um, we just take it for granted and we're doing very shallow breathing, especially for stress, especially for focused. We're just getting through it or we're even holding our breath. I notice it when I'm stressed, like I'm not breathing properly. And ever since I've shifted that and started to look at it more, I realized that breathing properly is a whole nother science in a whole nother world. Well, and I always love uh, this way of thinking about it. You know, you can survive for, without food for 40 days, 60 days. You can survive without water for three or four days. You can survive without sleep for, you know, two, three, four days. You can survive without oxygen, without breath for a few minutes, mm -hmm. right? So how important is that to our, to our lives and to how we feel? Uh, and I think you're completely right in that we have a many things that are hurting us when it comes to actually breathing properly. Stress is one that you definitely mentioned. When we get stressed, we breathe really shallowly rather than taking the breath all the way into our lungs. Uh, they've done studies that show that when people look at screens, they stop breathing or mm -hmm. start breathing really shallowly. So mm -hmm. I think that's just fascinating that that happens. And posture is also a really big piece of this related to our screen time, related to our like cell phone hunch, we're closing off our rib cage, shrinking the space of our lungs, and then not taking as full of breath and as full of um, as much oxygen. And when we talk about de-stressing, full breaths, actually it tones what's called the vagus nerve, and that helps us reduce cortisol, helps us reduce stress once again. And I love that, that it is completely free to breathe. And when you breathe deeply one or two times, you feel your energy shift. And I mean, it's what I love most about when I um, go into like an office building to teach meditation and you like, it's so palpable how the energy shifts, even with three, four, five deep breaths. Wow. Uh, and so it's always there for us. It's always available. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's mostly noticeable precisely when I have a lot of clients that don't, let's say, 
most people eat in front of the computer, right? And not breathing. I mean, we need oxygen to sort of like metabolize, metabolize food, digestion, etc. So no wonder we also have GI issues and, exactly. <laughs> and digestive issues. Full circle. Yeah, um, and I think it's also worth mentioning, just briefly, I think it's worth mentioning the way, um, you know, our bodies are in touch with nature and are in touch with our surroundings. And so when we're surrounded by very stimulating things, whether it's a really fast-paced television show or just the sounds of the city or, you know, you hear everyone click, 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 tapping on their computers at work, your body starts to, it's called entrainment, so it starts to move at that same mm -hmm. frequency and that same uh, rhythm, and that can start to cause this... Like mm -hmm, <laughs> these mm -hmm. short, shallow breaths because yeah. our world is stimulating. So I think it's also worth just noticing, especially if you are feeling stressed, like, do you need that high paced music? Can you get some noise canceling headphones for a moment? Can you move somewhere that's l just less stimulating to help your body get back onto that rhythm that's a little smoother, calmer, easier? Absolutely. So we need to take a short break, but stay tuned for the second part of our conversation with Sam, the founder of Spire Collective uh, and a PhD in nutrition, doula and yoga instructor that uses Ayurveda to help women balance their hormones, have more energy and stop feeling stressed. We'll be getting into how we can start prioritizing these three things in our lives to start feeling better. Welcome back to the Big Life Podcast on Full Service Radio. We are Lina Salazar and Ingrid Vaishus, broadcasting live from the lobby of the Line Hotel in Washington, D.C. Our guest today is Sam Attard, the founder of Spiro Collective. Or is it Spiro, Sam? Spiro. Okay. <laughs> Spiro. Spiro Collective and a PhD in nutrition. She's also a doula and yoga instructor who uses Ayurveda to help women balance their hormones, have more energy and stop feeling stressed. During the first half of the show, we learned that simple, free, basic practices like sleep, breathing, and movement are good for our bodies and minds. And we also discussed a little bit of the different repercussions of these practices on our well-being and, and stress levels. And Sam, in the second half we'll, of the show, we like getting more practical and we want to leave our listeners with specific actions that they can take after the show. But before we go there, <laughs> let's talk a little bit briefly about why do we humans like to overcomplicate things? Why do we refuse to accept that sleep, breathing, moving might be enough to start? Okay, so you're going to have to stick. I, I think you guys will be accepting of this. <laughs> I think it relates to our confidence. And I think it relates to our confidence in who we are and what we're capable of. Um, you know, with the more natural wellness movement, we are saying, okay, maybe we don't need a pharmaceutical. Maybe we can use exercise. Maybe we can use diet. Maybe we can use these other lifestyle things to help us feel better. But what that often is doing is, you know, I call it certified organic holistic band-aids, right? It's we, we are just still outsourcing the decision making and outsourcing our wellness to something that we have to purchase or do. Mm -hmm. And 
And I think that's where the overcomplication happens because we don't necessarily trust that we actually do have the answers or that what we could be doing are enough. Um, I think it's that combined with, uh, of course, a desire for a quick fix because we always want things to happen quicker than they will. Um, you know, I think if you get one night of good sleep, you will feel a lot better, but it's going to take you a couple months to really feel the difference and to really notice like the huge shift that happens in your life. And it can feel a lot quicker to drink some matcha or do something, do something different like that. Um, but I think at the fundamental level, we overcomplicate because we don't actually trust that we have the answer. Yeah, I, I like that you, you talk about trust and confidence because I look at it from the sort of like the psychology angle and it's this addiction for like or this complexity bias that we have. Mm. Right? Like it seems like it has to be complicated for us to believe that it will be, work for us. Or that when it's too simple, then we're like, ah, oh, no, 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 that that that, that, that cannot be right. Mm -hmm. That cannot be right. <laughs> and and I, I also appreciate your your point about uh, outsourcing. In my case, I with my clients, I call it delegating. Right? We delegate all these things that are innately human, these functions that are innately human, just like knowing I'm tired or two machines, and we are obsessed about the metrics and we are obsessed about complexity. We like mm -hmm. complexity. And I think it's also about, like, and you alluded to it, it's our intuition. We've moved away so much from mm -hmm. not trusting our intuition, trusting what our gut tells us, right? We always, I, I mean, I totally value a doctor, an acupuncturist, a naturopath. They're all very, very valuable, and they can provide us with information. But if something feels off, we also need to listen to that. But we've been very much trained to listen to the outside authority and ignore what our bodies are telling us um, and I think that we tend to overcomplicate it that way right yeah. we ignore our intuition we look for the outside outside validation then we don't believe it can be that simple because our mind is saying it, it can't and must be more complicated I must spend more money on this because it can't just be that that easy mm -hmm. I think we forget um, and this is uh, not to bash it's not even bashing the medical community or, or professionals that are providing these services, but we sometimes forget that it's a dialogue mm -hmm. and it becomes very lecture. Let me tell you about this. Let me tell you how it is versus how does this feel in your body? Did that work last week? What's mm -hmm. happening now? And, and so I, I, I think we also get trained to turn over our issues to someone else to fix because we haven't actually been asked for our experience. And it can be really hard to get that. Exactly. Yeah, it's like I have clients, for example, that with, which I work with. And it's like, I'm feeling exhausted. I'm going to the doctor. I'm going to get a blood test. And then you look at their routine and they are actually sleep deprived. It's mm -hmm. like, well, how about we, again, we go back to the basics. We check if you're sleeping. And then if, if you continue to be tired, we see what else is there. And right? I think that's what it is. When we're able to focus on these things, if we're sleeping well, if we're moving every day, if we're breathing properly and something still feels off, my gosh, that's definitely a sign that we need to follow yeah. up and figure out what is going on. If we're doing all of these things and then it's still not right, what, it, what is missing and who can we tap in for support that actually knows more than we do? And I don't know if mm -hmm. it's what do you ladies think about the fact that it can be it might be harsh to say this but it can be also a form of procrastination right um like okay I, I sleep no that sounds too easy i just need 
this other pill, this other liquid or substance or whatever to go to bed. And but then I because of my fear of having to master the basics of having to check with sleep on my sleep. I think that's a great point. I think mm -hmm. there's definitely I see this specifically with diet. I think it's really easy to see it in diet, but I think it, it's, it applies to exercise, to breathing, to sleeping, that there's a fear of it not working. And so we don't. Uh, I think it's also willingness to see a couple things. First off, I think the, the cost, because you know what, there's not a monetary cost to sleeping more, but there is a cost of less time on Netflix. There is a cost of Uh, you know, maybe potentially less time with your partner, less time with your friends, you know, wh whoever it is. If, if everyone gets home from work at 8.30, we want to spend some time with these people. Um, so I think we also have to talk about the, the costs that exist even for these freely available mm -hmm. things. And sometimes I think it is easier and it can feel easier to schedule a one-hour doctor's appointment than to say, I'm going to sleep an extra hour every night. Mm -hmm. um, So I think that that really plays in. Yeah, the the sort of like the the reward is delayed. Mm -hmm. Let's say it's not as oh I'm watching Netflix now. It, there's a delay in the reward, but there are costs to not doing something. Mm -hmm, absolutely. So with that in mind, how about we start talking about how we can start integrating this into our daily lives, right? So if someone were to start looking at okay, maybe where I need to focus my attention is sleep. I know that I get up every morning feeling less than excited, tired. I hit that snooze button three or four times before I'm out the door, and that sets me off for like a sluggish start to the day. So to me, when people ask, well, how much should I be sleeping? I say, it depends, right? Seven to nine hours, but you have to play around with it. If you wake up after seven hours feeling energized, ready to go, then that's your number. If you still feel tired and you're hitting the snooze button, then you need to play around with a little bit more sleep. How else can people integrate? Like, what can we think about? Like, how do we get to sleeping, to a sleep routine that actually works for us? Sounds so good. So exactly. It starts with, okay, if you have to wake up at seven, then how, what time do you have to go to sleep in order to get enough? So you start there. And then I say, look at that hour before you actually go to bed. Uh, particularly not having screens on for that hour or using some blue light filters, really fabulous. Um, maybe you start your getting to bed routine at that time. So if you say, I need to go to sleep at 10.30 in order to get my eight hours, well, don't get up from the couch at 10.30, get up from the couch at 9.30, because by the time you pack your lunch for the next day and you clean up your shoes that you left near the door and you brush your teeth and you know do whatever else you have to do, you're going to hit that 10.30 mark. So give yourself time to get ready to go to bed. It's very important. Um, mention no screens. You know, especially in D.C., the thing that I see most often, and it's just such a bummer, is issues with noise and light and heat. So you want to look at your temperature and make sure that your room is on the cooler side. You're going to sleep better if it's a little bit cool and you bundle up versus it being overly warm. You definitely want it to be as quiet as possible. So if you need super crazy headphones or earplugs or whatever, do it. It's worth it. And also you want it to be dark. So if you live and right outside your window is a big street lamp. <laughs> or the right, moon, regular, like in Ingrid's window. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, cute curtains aren't going to do yeah. it. Like you need to get some blackout curtains or an eye mask or, or something to help block out that, um, to block out that light. And these again, are very simple, but not always easy things to figure out. 
but it's it's worth doing and you know maybe even to the point of if you're looking at a new apartment a new place to live like check check it out at nighttime <laughs> i see see if you knock on a wall can you hear it you know right over on the next wall yes, like you want to yeah. know what the neighbors are going to be like you want to know you might not be able to make it all perfect but it's just amazing that's one that comes up for, for again and again and again with the people that i work with is that actually just their bedroom is not a safe sanctuary of quiet and and darkness it's like it's 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 like a party because you're basically hearing your neighbor's party all the time yeah um, i so. also think food right food is also important in the sense of and again it's all about testing right what can you share about us about food sam um so glad you mentioned that because i think that's that's such a huge one when it comes to falling asleep mm -hmm. so if you eat dinner at you know 8 30 or 9 30 and then you go to bed right after it you're not going to sleep as well because your body is very, very busy digesting the food that you just ate. So giving yourself some space between when you ate and when you go to bed could be the thing that completely changes your sleep and suddenly makes it work so much better. When you I think it's worth mentioning. Oh, sorry. sorry no, but I was going to say when you say space between dinner and like falling asleep, let's give people like a rough idea of what they need to think about. Sounds good. Three hours is awesome. Four hours is like very, very difficult to do, but can be amazing. <laughs> Two hours in a pinch is is what I'll go for. I, for example, I teach a yoga class um, that goes till 7.30 and I'll usually eat like right after it. And on those nights, it's going to be two hours because I'm not going to go to bed, you know, too much later. Mm -hmm. But um, but two hours minimum. And that means like also between your last like snack, right? If you snack after dinner. Uh Right. For me, if it's four hours, I'm already starving by the time I, get, I go yeah, to bed. Exactly. Right. So yes. at three, I'm around three. Three is like, okay, I feel great. I digested. I'm going to sleep well. But and if one day you need and go to bed one hour later, it's okay. Again, it's all about doing your best, whatever, you, whatever works for you. Exactly. Right? I mean, totally. I think that we all need that time frame and that yeah. rough idea. But absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and then the other thing <laughs> for me, I think we tend to drink a lot of caffeine. And not necessarily yes. in the fourth form of coffee. Some people do and don't realize that a coffee at three or four o'clock in the afternoon when many people are hitting that like 3 p.m. slump is going to affect your sleep, especially if you're caffeine sensitive. I, well, 100%. And it's, it's something I really noticed this um, when I got pregnant, because when you're pregnant, you're not allowed to eat and consume a lot of these things. But so many of the drinks these days have caffeine in them. Um, They have other stimulants like maca or um, or matcha or uh, other herbs that help you energize. If you're drinking a drink that says energy on it at 4 p.m., like that's probably going to not be great for your sleep. So I think it's <laughs> worth looking. Once again, it may be really holistic. It's not a five-hour energy. It's something really natural and crunchy, and it costs you $12, but it still might be hurting your sleep. <laughs> so, yeah. so just to be aware of that, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the caffeine. Absolutely. And then... When we're thinking, okay, so we got our sleep down, what do we do to incorporate more movement and more breath into our day in a way that doesn't feel like if 
I'm not meditating every day. Is that gonna, like, how can I breathe? What can I do and how can I move more? So, so great. So first off, again, I, I would always say this is a Kelly McGonigal look for those opportunities to move, right? So just ask yourself, is there, are there stairs in my workplace instead of elevators? Is there an opportunity to just walk up the metro escalator rather than sitting there and staring at your phone? Like, you can get there faster. It's great. Walk up the escalator. Park a little bit further away. If there's not a lot of parking spots, sometimes we park really nice and close and it's very fabulous. But if you're in some crazy, uh, I'm thinking of the Costco in Pentagon City. If you're in the, <laughs> in the Costco in Pentagon City, yeah. you don't have to get the best parking spot. Save yourself like 40 minutes of strife and just park elsewhere. Mm -hmm. um, so looking for those opportunities to move. I do, uh, for me, something I need to do, I do set an alarm to remind myself to get up out of my chair every hour, ideally every half hour, but I usually do every hour just to get the body moving again. And what's really great is we call them uh, daisy chaining. So you can take habits and you daisy chain on them, just like those little circular mm -hmm. rings that you can make. Yeah. So maybe you get up and you move, like you that alarm goes off, you get up, you move, and then you take two deep breaths. So mm -hmm. get them in together. And so just, just package them in all together, or you brush your teeth, two deep breaths. Um, every time you finish writing an email, two deep breaths. Every time you pick up your phone, two deep breaths. So you can find these opportunities to breathe and to move and they'll start to feel more seamless. There's gonna be a point and you know, the next couple of days, maybe start trying this today. You're gonna to say, wow, forgetting. Wow, this seems like a lot of work. Man, I'm not into this. Uh, give it a few more days and suddenly it'll feel really second nature and you'll start to really feel those benefits. So just a couple breaths, taking them at these opportunities, the same as you take opportunities to move, whether it is a alarm or it's related to specific activities in your day. And that's what I'd invite. I think one question I have, and I think it's totally personal, but what's the one thing you do when you start feeling stressed that's free? The one thing I do when I start feeling stressed that is free is I breathe. Mm -hmm. I, I, it is. It is. I, I do. It's I stop and I take a deep breath and I and I pause. I stop whatever I'm doing and I, I pause. Um, and that is really huge. Cool. Yeah. Recentering. Cool. So as we move to the end of the show, I feel like we could talk about these things for a little bit longer and we'll have you <laughs> back to dig more. But what does living a big life mean to you? Hmm. Living a big life to me, it means, it means, hmm, I was going to say contentment, which almost feels at odds with big, because it's, it's a, to me, a big life is one where I can be present and, and enjoy each moment and finding the fullness of each moment, because actually every moment is very full. It's just very often, using the example of walking up the metro stairs, you feel like you're trying to get somewhere, but actually there is a moment that's right there in the metro stairs that you could be present and feel a, full night, a fullness. So I think big life to me is, is just really digging into a moment and into the moment. Yeah, I like that. I like that about presence and contentment and appreciation. Sam, what's one thing that you are excited about? Hmm, what am I excited about? <laughs> I am excited. Uh-oh. 
start like rolling over and walking and all those things. That's that's something that I'm just very, very excited about work-wise. I'm really excited about uh, diving into, um, we do a spring Ayurveda retreat and it's the best thing in the world because we spend three days really living these Ayurvedic principles and it's very much breath and movement and good sleep. And so I'm in the the midst of planning that right now and I'm very excited about it. Cool. And if people want to hear more about your retreat or get in touch with you, where can people find you? Best place to find me is over at spirocollective.com. So Spiro is spelled S-P-I-R-O, spirocollective.com. And then I also have a podcast called Happy Healthy Human Radio. And you can find that podcast all around the interwebs, mm-hmm. whether that's Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Overcast. Um, and on that podcast, I have uh, meditations, I have yoga, as well as conversations and interviews. So yeah, those are the two amazing. best places to find me. And people should sign up for your newsletter because you are super consistent and it's information packed. <gasps> Thank you. My Sunday newsletter is one of my favorite things that I do. And <laughs> so, yes, please, please do. You can find the sign up link over on my website. Amazing. Thank you. Ingrid, I have many takeaways, but I like the idea that there is no research or no scientist no, that, that says that sleeping, breathing, or moving your body is bad for you. And that only tells me that that's the basics and that once we are able to master the basics, the fundamentals, then the rest is just like a cherry on top. Yeah. Right? It yeah. allows us to like dig deeper into the other things that are going around. Right? going on in our in our lives right if we're not for sleeping well moving more breathing a lot and there's stuff going on i think we have the bandwidth to suddenly deal with it in a different way and we're more open to make changes and to adapt and to look at what's serving us and what's not Uh uh-huh and i think maybe one like uh besides sort of like the practical things and ideas and guidance that sam gave us i think a key one is also the awareness of asking yourself am i overcomplicating this Right? Am I wanting to buy this device or this other thing? Am I overcomplicating things with this? Is this because I'm procrastinating? Is it because out of fear? Why am I overcomplicating this practice? And how can I take it one, like, notch down or step back? Right? Absolutely. It's like what I always tell my clients what are your top three things, your basics, the top three things you do every day that you know are free and are going to make you feel amazing? Mm When that's working, and they'll change, right? If you're in the season of being a mom, mom, maybe sleeping is not the thing that is is at the top of your list at the morning because realistically it's not going to happen. So then what does that, like what do you have to do to make sure that you feel good? Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Well, somewhat related to this episode, you shouldn't miss next week's uh, show because we'll be talking about whether there is such a thing as work-life balance and how to live a big life without feeling that you're sacrificing one or the other. So that's a key episode very related to this one. Cool. So thank you so much for joining us. If you're enjoying the show like usual, please be sure to share it with friends and rate us on iTunes and review us on iTunes. And if you have topic ideas or requests or people you want us to interview, um, reach out on Instagram. I'm at Ingrid, well- Ingrid underscore wellness. And I am leave dot well dot way we'd love to hear from you see you next week